0: Hi everyone. This episode features Kelly Marcus, who was most recently the VP of Experiential from Refinery29 and is now the CVO of Hunter's Point, where she works with companies including Apartment Therapy. She mentions that the how you do the work is just as important as the why in the final event production aspect. We discuss how she learned to create original IP, how to market it, and how to build multiple revenue streams. Hope you guys enjoy.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to One Question XYZ. Carl Racky here.
0: And Dahlia Strong.
1: And we've got an amazing guest. She's already been making me laugh, telling all these cool stories, but I'm excited to have her. Could you introduce yourself, please?
2: Hi, I'm Kelly Marcus.
1: Hi, Kelly Marcus.
2: Hi. So what do you do? Um, you know, funny you should ask. <laughs> uh, I often say I'm an event producer, um, and we can elaborate on what that means
1: mm-hmm. today. Is that, what you, is that what your LinkedIn says?
2: Yeah, it does. I mean well that that's a great point and why i say well okay if we want to like sum it up right now let's call me an event producer i'm gonna say this okay i i am not an event planner i actually always kind of like get a little like shudder like um on the back of my neck when i hear the words event planner um that is no disrespect to folks that do event planning um But, like, I don't do weddings. I don't do, you know, private, personal, social events. I think that there's a whole other world for that. I specialize in consumer entertainment, experiential events. So, what I sometimes have to summarize quickly for people to understand that is concerts, festivals, um, pop up activations where brands or companies, uh, or certain initiatives are coming to life in an immersive interactive
0: way. Okay. So Kelly and I actually met because of my experiential marketing symposium and I can't even tell you how difficult it was to get to you in the very beginning um, because the top priority for me was getting Refinery29 in there, especially yeah. with um, our 29 rooms, right? Yeah. So obviously you were the person that had to speak. And I was like, how do I get Kelly to speak? <laughs> and you got, you're like, Caitlin, I know Caitlin. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: so how, how did you go about that?
0: So I had to ping Caitlin maybe 15 times. Is that your, is that, your that is, no, Caitlin
2: is, uh, I believe, one of the vice presidents over there within our business development area. Awesome, awesome woman. Yeah. I love working with Caitlin. Um, and. You know, I think that brings up a great point, which is I am – first off, I'm very flattered when any anytime anybody either asks me to speak or I get a lot of um, people who are, you know, coming into their beginnings of their career, maybe they're still in college or maybe they're just a couple years out and being like, hey, da-da-da, saw your profile, I'd love to go out for coffee – I would love to be able to do that. I would kill to go out for coffee. I I think about what I had to do, uh, what kidney I had to like donate in order to make time to go and have coffee eventually with Dahlia. And it was, I think, one of the big things that people don't understand for the modern day corporate world, especially in marketing, is it's so competitive and and everything moves so fast that it's like you never wanted to see my email account over at Refinery. (laughs) Um, oh, and and not just refining that was not inclusive or uh, exclusive of that company. It, it's like that for the modern day world. Um, and anybody I, I know, whether they're at a PR agency, advertising agency, digital media, traditional media, you name it, we're slammed. And so that's all the more reason why I feel like uh, if I'm going to be asking somebody for their time. I need to be incredibly considerate um, about that. And I get a lot of really wonderful requests on the like that. I feel like now, ever since I made the leap and I made the decision to leave Refinery, I, I wonder sometimes, like, wow, wouldn't that be great to actually host something for all those different people who reached out to me where I could go, now I actually have time to give you. And it generally was just, I was working 75 to 90 hours a week and I had no extra time bathing was sometimes a, a, a luxury <laughs> that's right, yeah. crazy. and
0: you made time for me actually right before our 29 rooms was launched yeah that was crazy yes
1: well you made time for us today so thank
2: yeah you. well and and that's you know a huge part because um i again i'm incredibly grateful for my time at refinery and and you know what i did with 29 rooms and um and and all of that but it There were opportunities that were coming my way. And also, I felt like at the end of my year, uh, the last year that I was at Refinery, I just was like, yeah, I hit this goal. I did it. I felt like I was standing on top of this mountain, knowing everything that I had gone through and all of these and being like, wow, so proud of like the numbers and where we'd been, what had gone down with the team in a great way. And I was like, you know what? And now's my time to pass the torch, and to pass the torch now as they go into their next phase. And for me, it was my next phase, and and that was to say, you know, I want to get back out where one is. I'm working directly with brands. I was so focused on the refinery world that like there are huge swaths of work that I do and have dealt with. Um, let's say sports, for example, didn't touch on like a smidgen. Tiny, tiny and you love sports vision. oh yeah I'm the daughter of a football coach love so it. I mean I yeah one of my earliest memories is like growing up in Ohio bundled up like the kid from uh, Christmas story <laughs> like you know rooting for my dad's team so um yeah I'm a huge uh, I'm a huge sports fan fan culture unto itself I think is is that is experiential yeah, totally. it completely. And I, I really didn't get to touch on that. So now it's awesome. I'm getting the chance to continue the diversification that I have in working with a lot of different areas that I hadn't before.
0: Yeah, so you've since branched off and created your own agency. Correct. Can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, so actually, the um, funny enough is that about 10 years ago, I had actually done the same kind of leap. I had left an agency um, and was just gonna be working as a freelance producer. And what was happening was former clients of mine were like, we miss you. Like, you, you know, uh, we, we wanna work with you again specifically. And I was like, okay. And it sort of snowballed. Um, so it wasn't necessarily anything I was looking for, it just sort of happened like that. And it gave me the ability to not just work as that event producer, but also to work strategically. And I think, and this goes into some of the conversations that Dahlia and I have been also having on the side, is I had already come from an arts background. So my, I, I like to think that the DNA that I have from the Marcus side of my family is actually what really helps me in what i do today and that dna consists of um my father was an artist so he worked uh mostly in for a long time in painting but then he moved to a craft called stippling which is like think of pointillism in painting but this is with ink and with fine fine dots Um, That's uh,
1: very difficult, I would think. Right. (laughs) And
2: I grew up in a house where my father would work on a piece of art for months at a time. And, you know, my father would sit there and say, but this is why Picasso's blue period is overlooked and why it should be. You can't look at his cubism until you actually examine what he went through within his blue period. Okay, so that's one part of my father. The other part of my father is the guy who sat down and was like, I'm going to teach you how to do your taxes. My father was brilliant with can math. Can you
0: teach me how to do my taxes? I can <laughs> teach you how. I actually can teach you how to do your taxes. Really? I actually
2: used to um, do additional um, advocacy and support for a lot of people who work in the arts, whether you're an actor, graphic designer, <laughs> dancer, you name it. And they don't realize that they have a lot of legitimate expenses that they can... Right off. Ha- yeah. right, right, off. And then nobody teaches them. And I think we further cultivate a society where we're like poor starving artist and be terrified of your taxes i would work with people to say your taxes are are meant to give you an opportunity to examine your budget and build wealth for yourself and you never hear that and that's my mentality of how i approach it because that was instilled with me with my father which was this is a giant math problem that we're going to work through but it's personalized and if you are not afraid to look at this and you're you know, head-on, then you can actually see the benefit of it. So math was really strong. Arts were really strong. And then my father was um, played football for Army, and he was a badass coach. Like, he was great. And, you know, I had witnessed my father doing Coach Marcus you know, in the locker room at halftime, you're, you know, we're down by, you know, two touchdowns. But here's what's going on. And somebody flips on eye of the tiger. And, you know, next thing you know, they go out and they win the game being mm-hmm. the underdogs. So that is what I would say is the DNA that I bring into um, the work that I cultivate. Because I think the how you do the work is just as important as the final um, event experience that we're producing
0: you're so multifaceted I love hearing all of this about you I didn't even know half of this
2: (coughs) well I you know on the multifaceted I would also just say like I I like a lot of things um and that goes back into you know part of one of the things that I got into was I created um my own event I worked with a couple of other artists and we created a multimedia festival of film, theater, and music. And I remember at first when we were talking about this, um, it was a 22-day festival. Actually, wow. it really it was insane. The ambition of this was absolutely insane. When, where was this? Um, so I've done it three times: first in 2004, then again in 2007, and then two, the last one was in 2010. Um, but people were like, when we first came up with this concept, it was like film, theater, music, all on one stage, emerging artists. So people who were like made a name for themselves, but not really broken through multi, you know, mainstream. And people were like, I got one person who said, there's no way theater people don't go to film events and music people don't go to, And, and I was like. I'm sorry, I go see movies, I go to live music, and I love theater. What the hell? Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? And so we had to really push through a lot of naysayers, got sponsors. Over the years, I got sponsors. Um, like, um, before there was an iPhone, there was Nokia, and they dominated the market. Maker's Mark, Stella Artois, Whole Foods. I mean, And I got that cultivation, but it also taught me not only how to create original IP, how to market it, how to build multiple revenue streams from the ticket sales to the merch to a food and concessions program, to a membership program, exhibitor program, as well as the sponsorships. So the opportunity I had to create my own company started in 2010. And where I went from being just a producer, where I'm like, yes, I could produce your activation for you at this festival, no problem, it now turned into, here's an opportunity to work with brands and look at the bigger opportunities, the long-term strategies, like how are we not looking just to make an impact right now, but how are we looking to make an impact that touches on the press, the marketing, the consumer growth, the brand awareness growth, how can we actually measure ROI? And You know, that then led to, uh, ultimately, one of my clients, um, a PR agency, asked me to come in and create the event division. You know, and then that propelled into, okay, now I'm, you know, helping to create original events for timing properties like Entertainment Weekly. Then that propelled to, hey, would you do this tour for Game of Thrones, which, I'm sorry, but I'm a giant freaking Game of Thrones freak.
1: I've never seen one episode, but don't hit me.
2: I, okay, you know what's funny? I was doing that tour, and we would occasionally get these people who are like, "I don't, I don't watch Game of Thrones." And I was like, "If you want to come in, it's still okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be here, yeah, it's, it's okay. all right. You know, if anything, this is even more for you, so you can come through and like learn about these characters, and you might end up being like, "I got to check this out. This is really cool."
0: I actually think that that's a ton of value right there in itself, right? So creating an activation to create awareness of. I don't know, a show, a movie, an experience, etc., and that drives traffic too, right? Like, if you don't have these diehard fans, how do you create diehard fans? How do you manufacture that? Um, I think that that's interesting in itself.
2: Totally. And I mean, that I think becomes an interesting thing. Like, if somebody had created the, a Westworld experience before Westworld would have launched. So not think the one at could- South By, right? Well, I mean, and everybody talks about how how awesome you know that was and i and I you know again, applaud the team that came up with that and And let's also look at that. The ingredients that they used for that were based on things like theater, sure, which have been around forever. Like you want to talk to some of the original, you know experiential it's theater true, um, right? Yeah, makes very um. Sense. However, they're breaking that. Look at what Sleep No More did. They made it fully immersive. Right. Um, you know, so, it, and it is kind of funny how, like, I remember Sleep No More, and then there are people who are like, I want Sleep No More for my brand. Now people are like, I want 29 Rooms for your brand. But that was the whole thing of what, um, you know, I did a talk at BizBash about a couple years ago too, which was in the experiential economy, brands learning how to diversify. I think this is especially true when you're talking about retail, to diversify your revenue streams. And that the, the whole dialogue on what the consumer experience has to change, we have to evolve, to open up a simple brick and mortar store and expect the same playbook
0: that had you had worked for so long, won't. But there is great opportunity. Right. I think that you have to stop calling yourself an event producer. I feel like you're an experiential marketer. Yeah, there's, there's, more,
1: there's, there's a better name for that. Yeah. Well, and
2: yeah, I mean, and in and, and truth, I many times say I'm like, I'm an event producer and experiential marketer. But I'll tell you, like, I say experiential marketing to some people. I and mean, you're if you're them. in our world, they get it. Yeah. If I say it, like, to a doctor, he's like, experiment what? And <laughs> yeah, next thing he he's knows, like, he thinks like I'm, like, scientist. in a lab. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> You know, where somebody thinks I'm doing experimental theater and I'm, like, rolling around on a floor like a weasel or something.
1: So, for our listeners, I have never went to 29 Rooms, but can you explain maybe a little bit just about what that was? And,
0: by the way, my mouth just dropped to the floor. But, you know what? <laughs> it's okay. No, I'm teasing. I'm it's teasing. A, because it's, it's more for te- women. It targets It's It tar-
1: And that's, I guess, I mean, obviously, I, I'm familiar with kind of about it. I've heard all about it, but. Can you maybe just give our little taste? Of what, what? Sure.
2: That I guess I'm kind of laughing too. I'm like, by the way, are we I supposed to you also would say stand things out at
0: something like that? Because there were so many women there, and you could probably count how many men attended on one hand.
2: Which, by the way, I kept on always thinking to myself, I really wish that we could develop something that would turn into an opportunity for dating. To foster, I would new think it would people. be a great, like a, a, a exa- good, a yeah. good
1: date spot. I, or like take a, you know, take a date. Yeah, or uh, maybe go as a single but meet and network with. That
2: people. is that's the thing. You, we definitely would see couples there, and we had our first um, proposal. Um, really? Yeah, Wait, that happened this in past new, year? this past that's year cool. in New York. Um, we I had twenty
0: nine rooms. I had
2: twenty nine rooms. Oh. Twenty nine rooms is an immersive um, an event that brings to life the mission topics, voices, um, and interests of the modern millennial young woman. Um, And instead of showing and telling, it's an opportunity for engagement and interaction. So they encourage the audience to come in uh, into a large space where we would take um, a minimum of 29 different Physical manifestations of that. So, we might be working with Kesha as she's releasing her new album and inspired by the music of that and hearing what her interests are. We might come up with what the experience might be in a 20 by 20 footprint, or, you know, we're not sitting there and necessarily measuring out 20 by 20, but, you know, working with that. Um, It could also be with a, a brand partner who is launching a new product or just wants uh, some other kind of awareness. So it could be bare minerals. And they're actually trying to show and explain and bring to life the attributes of their particular product and why it's so beneficial, but doing it in such a way that is incredibly tactile um, and meant to hit all of the senses. Um, Or it could also just be things like bringing awareness to voting rights. Sure. Um, So
1: each each room is particularly branded or thought of in some particular way. Correct. They all didn't connect, though.
2: Correct. And I mean, I had heard about um, before I got there, I'd heard about this sense of like wanting to try and drive like a linear process to it. And I was like, you know, I think I think of it in the same way about like when I go shopping, when I go shopping if I'm going into a store, I want the opportunity to kind of have a moment to take it in and create my own, own experience. When I was actually in college. Um,
1: Where did you go to school for Alyssa? NYU. Cool.
2: NYU, Tisch School of the Arts. Nice. Mm-hmm. And, okay. um, but I, I worked um, during school and, and especially during summers and I worked in retail. I actually really liked working in retail. But my approach... Um,
0: because you're such a people person. I try to be. Yeah. I try.
2: Um, I My always approach is if you came through the door, I'd come up and I'd be like, Hi, I'm Kelly. Um, if there's anything that you're looking for a particular... Anything you need, just let me know. And then I literally... And then I was like, I walked away. So you have to do that. I hate the hover. Uh, yeah, the hover, is hover the hovers worst. the worst. If somebody hovers... Or...
1: I'll just leave. Yeah,
2: I leave. I will leave. And then the other thing is, is like when somebody comes up and they're like, you know, we do have... I think I overheard you say that you're going to a cocktail party. I'm really loving this dress. And they'll pick out something and I'm like... No. no. My body will never put its body <laughs> yeah, in that Yeah, even if it thing.
1: does, it's just like I need to make my own choice. Here. Exactly.
2: Exactly. I... <laughs> And what I often found was that if I actually – it wasn't like I was, like, playing hard to get. I just would sort of step away. i give a person space. And then it then it was naturally like, excuse me, do you know if you have this in this size? Or do you know if this comes in this color or whatever? And then I would come in to help them and then guide any, that's, that's any the way, way that's know. happened. And I think of it as the same way. So when – one of the things I really advocated for when I first started there was – Forget the concept of linear. In fact, sometimes there were even like this thinking of like, well, in the building. And I said, nobody is looking at these arched windows. Okay, they're so focused on what's going on here. I mean, I could put this thing inside of a blank tent. I could put this thing into a bare warehouse. I could put this thing on the floor of the Javits Center nobody would care right What they care about is what's going on with these things. And to your point about rooms, it was breaking down the concept of what a room means. It's not four walls and a door. Yeah. It could be a completely 360, you know uh, organic, very um, you know mobile or, or or tactile looking kind of uh, build out that had nothing to do with trying to be, uh, on the nose. And yet at the same time, there are sometimes you're like, nope, I actually do need for the sense of storytelling or conceptually to have this journey through a door or a portal. Sure.
1: And it would make itself and a right. Truly now, so it sounds like everything you've done up to like leading up to the 29 rooms is like all these different events. Had you not had that experience in the previous years, would you have been able to accomplish what you did with the 29 rooms? Or? Well,
2: I think... I, I mean, part of the reason that I, I was not part of the original team that came up with 29 Rooms, but where I was um, recruited in for was, and they looked at my background, was what I had been doing in taking event properties, whether they were original event properties or something av- around a brand or a concept, and turning that into a monetizable entity. So, it, you know, that's where I came in and I was like, this is how we do the ticket plan. And here is how we adjust this. And they, they had no sessions, they had no registration. They didn't even know how many people they could fit within a certain amount of space. So, you know, I can actually look at, um, I can look at event properties. And I, I believe honestly that anybody who, you know, has worked within a certain amount of, of a certain scale of these kind of events, you should be able to do, to do that. If I needed to, if somebody said, Kelly, I'm going to test you to this. Could you tell me how many people are going through and could fit at the US Open for this like like it's not it it if if you've been doing your work, then you know and you understand the building code and like how many people per square foot should be in there with the rules about the fire code and there's the technical aspects of this which are really important and if you are doing willing to do that work and understand that it will only benefit in the fast tracking of the creative ideas in making this work and turning it into a really feasible business opportunity.
0: It's funny because we literally just had this conversation uh, with Greg from Sawhorse Media. Uh, for the Shorty Awards. So we were just talking about like uh, fire marshals, making sure things are to code, that you don't have too many people there, but understanding how many people you can actually fit. What I love about you is, you think in terms of dollars, right? So like you're able to say, okay, if we do X, Y, and Z, we can make this profitable immediately. As opposed to, let's just try it. It's something cool, we'll focus on awareness and see where it goes from there. You actually think through where the revenue streams come from, too.
2: Well, I mean, I think, you know, marketing itself is, and I actually, I think sometimes to myself, like the industry that I've stumbled into, I'm grateful for every day. I feel so one you part studied, artist.
1: You studied what in college? I like hearing sometimes what people studied and then where they are now. So you were arts.
2: So um, I really connects to it also. Yeah, so I have uh, two degrees: communications, uh, and that was originally through the School of Education at NYU, and then a bachelor bachelor of fine arts, um, or um, what's called undergraduate drama. Interesting um, at NYU, and of course, most people, I think, uh, you know. I think it's way easier to kind of uh, roll off the tongue of, like, uh, I went to NYU Tisch. Yeah. Um,
1: it's, it's more concise. But, yeah, I,
2: I worked as an actor. Awesome. Um,
1: Did you ever think you'd be where you are now?
2: So that, that that's a great point, which is if you actually go back and look at my, like, diary entries and even what I was saying, what I – I love acting. If you actually want to know what my first, like, love in life is, and it's, like, it's seriously, like – um, it's like church to me, like religion, is true, true, like acting, and uh, it is, it's so honest and truthful, um, and I and I adore it. Um, but I used to, and I and I love acting. Look, if you take one look at me, and you know that I'm not going to necessarily be. Um, your leading lady. Oh, that's not
0: fair. Um, I actually think you're 100 percent wrong, but I think that your love for acting makes you an amazing storyteller, visually well, and contextually. And you're
1: believable, and you're authentic.
0: Right.
2: Well, and that's that's the thing. Is so I was I remember my first year I was sitting in one of my communications classes, and they were t- we were going through advertising, and. I remember we were going through, like, certain things and spin cycle and talking about this, and it was – it really boiled down to in that class, it, they were like, so really advertising is kind of, like, about lying. And I remember being like, ugh. And uh, just me, I guess, as a person, it was like, it, it really revolted me. And then when I got into conservatory and started doing my acting training, it was all about truth. Right. So and this is actually th- something I think that we've talked about. So I – um so my training was working with a lot of what konstantin Stanislavsky built in called like the uh the system his his sensory system um some people think that it became like what's method acting um and that is really uh an evolution that a certain part of um some members of the group theater took it into and that's that like acting where you have to like You're really like, you know, you have these actors that like just don't stop talking in their accent and forever. That's that's not that's not really what uh, Stanislavski's system was. His was all about the actor needs to prepare and also needs to find these kernels of truth within them. Right. So if maybe this the character has it where they have an obsession with like strawberries Well, me personally, I find strawberries very acidic. So, but maybe what I'm going to do is I'm going to be like, okay, instead for me, it's blueberries. That's an incredibly simplistic um, metaphor that I'm creating right there. But it's about creating truth. Once I heard about the sense of truth that was coming out of like that world and that discipline, I mean, you just have me hooked completely. Um, The thing that... I feel like I take out of like a lot of my training, and I adored my training at NYU. I'm grateful for it every day. I feel like I just got blessed with this amazing education um, that I never would have thought of in a trillion years would apply to what I'm doing today. But what you were asked me before, when you look at my journals, I was not necessarily saying oh, I want to be a famous star and have this. I was saying things like, I would like to be the artistic director of a regional theater company in America. And I'm originally from the Cleveland area, so at the time I was like, I want to be the artistic director of the Cleveland uh, the Cleveland Playhouse.
1: Playhouse Square.
0: Yeah, <coughs> yeah.
1: I used to work for a company based out of Cleveland. Oh, yeah. I'm from Pittsburgh originally, but. Oh, there's the, that rivalry. There's that Cleveland Pittsburgh mm-hmm. thing. But
2: I, so crazy, it's okay. I'm nice not... to
0: all your backstories, too. You've traveled so much of the okay, world. Uh, I feel like I'm such a New Yorker. <laughs> yeah. But
1: Playhouse Square, I've, uh, there was a hotel that I stayed at down there, but I'm very familiar with it.
0: Yeah.
2: So for me, what I'm doing right now is I feel like in many ways I fulfilled this part of me that was always looking for it working in a realm where i'm not just working as an artistic director of a playhouse you're not only looking at like what are the shows that we're programming and the talent that we're bringing in on stage and behind the scenes to fulfill it but how are we marketing that how are we messaging it how are we building a sense of community that is what i feel like i take into this work here and i think um you know overall there's there's a million different production companies that are out there. So and
1: wait, you're an agency or a production company?
2: So um, that's, that's a, a good, good question. Yeah, I mean, right it's really funny. Mean, I'm like, what does that mean? Yeah, what even is it agency? Yeah. Did I legally put the word agency into the title of my business to help <laughs> things get like processed? absolutely oh you did okay yeah i did but um and i do have i'm just getting like a couple of members who are becoming full-time employees with me and they're Great. people that i have worked with before um, or cultivated through my network um that have similar sensibilities and um to me and similar work ethic um and and things like that but you know i don't know if anybody would really could like just does Ogilvy and Mather have to answer the question, like, what makes them an advertising agency? Don't and I'm not ju- I'm not judging the yeah, question. Yeah. I'm just like, I always scratch my head, like, what does that well, mean, agency? But to <laughs> your point, I'm not necessarily looking to be, and nor will I ever be, the kind of place where I'm going to be like, well, we're going to bring down the lighting rig of, you know, moving <laughs> lights and, you know. I'm, I'm not necessarily looking to do that. Um, I will turn to those awesome houses that, you you know, I can source really great gear from. Um, and depending upon where the job is and what the skill set is, because it's very different to pull a console for Nicki Minaj than it is for me to get a great lighting rig to do a culinary demo. For yeah, two
1: different Exactly. Two different completely
2: different things. Um, so
1: but the fact that you're able to do, handle both of those is also pretty impressive.
2: Yeah. But, so what, I think that that's you know, really what my job is, is to say, who, what, what is this event? What are our goals around this event? Who are the connection? Like, who are the strategic vendors that I might pull in from, uh, you know, that I've worked with over the years to really tailor everything um, to work best for this particular event?
0: I would just call you a one-stop shop, right? Yeah, you have
1: have a toolbox of all these different connections and, you know, partnerships and things that you can utilize. But, like, would you say, like, right now, have you turned turned down, like, something that's come to you and it's, like, maybe not the right fit for maybe what you think aligns with your sensibility and what you like to do?
2: I left Refinery in January of this year, so I am fresh.
1: So you're still... I am
2: fresh out there, which is why earlier we were chatting about, like, I'm just letting some people know um you know that i'm doing my own thing again and that um there's opportunity for that um i am not in a position where i can be like i'm carl lagerfeld (laughs) and i as carl can turn down i'm only taking on things with fur only (laughs) fur people I, i don't work in any other kind of material but fur. no i um at the same time i will tell you that there's certain industries um that I probably won't work in. Sure. I won't work to, with tobacco because that's actually something uh, that had a personal effect in a negative way on my life and my family, and um, I'm not going to do that. Um, but like, I love me some Coke Zero. Some people might have some free feelings about things like sodas, um, but actually, I feel like I love Coke Zero. I do like a good Coke Zero. And like now, I found I feel like I have a way to have so like soda in my life
1: without it being so
2: correct and it's a treat it's not something i drink every day but it's a treat and i think that that's uh worth a lot of things i will say this it's been incredibly exciting since i have left refinery to be like flexing these muscles in other ways like again i adore me some like millennial women I have loved, you know, working with some things with fashion and beauty. But, man, boy, has it been really, really fun to look at things that deal with, like, hardcore basketball. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm the to the point where sports. I was like, give me something with grilling and NASCAR, and I would do it right yeah. no,
0: I Just because I'm like,
2: it. I want to flex some different muscles, because I have done that in the past, and I missed it. Yeah. But now that you're, like, starting
1: your own thing, like, how do you prioritize, like, you know, you're obviously maybe hiring some people, you're reaching out to your network. Like, There's gonna be a lot of influx of things. Like, How do you prioritize what you wanna do next? Like, what's your...
0: And then also, how do you prioritize like your tasks, right? So like, so there's outreach, there's uh, making sure that you follow up, there's actual execution, um, like kind of focusing on one project and then trying to bring in external projects, right? Like, yeah. how do you do all of it?
2: Um, well, I'll say this. Uh, First off, I think over the years, um, well, maybe not even over the years. I mean, there is something that you get in working, like training in conservatory. I also think, fellow Midwesterner, I think people who are from the Midwest, they have an amazing work ethic. That's not to say that my other friends around the coast, me and but else. <laughs> Shout um, out to the Midwest. I, um, you know. What about us New Yorkers here? I have. I say a,
1: Pittsburgh's the Mideast, but.
2: <laughs> oh my goodness, we yeah. are people in Philly think Yeah, they got their hands. Um, hands. Uh, um but I I just I I really enjoy what I do. And that means that I could be the other night I was on the couch until midnight. I'm not kidding, like doing certain research. I love what I do. Yeah. And so it's not, I really, can, it's not really work to you almost. No, persons. it's I have a as me and my best friend, she's she's a musician and a professor of music. We have careers. I don't have a job. I have a career. And part of, and I, I love saying this within the world of marketing, I have a lifestyle choice. My job is a lifestyle choice. When I'm dating and a guy's like, well, will you, you do sounds cool, I'm like, it is. <laughs> it's
0: very cool. It's very cool. And then, yeah. more importantly, what's nice is people want to work with who they know and who they trust. So you've cultivated all these relationships, and I think we forget about how important these relationships are to making sure that you could do this on your own, right? They, there are these existing opportunities that you might not have been able to tap into until now.
2: Yeah, and I mean, to your and that feeds into you know your other question, which was, how do you how do you juggle this? How do yeah. you understand priorities? I will say that on the one hand, I can talk about having discipline, having a strong work ethic, balancing and committing a amu- amount of time. There's the other thing too, which is I think who I am and what I've learned today with all of these other experiences behind me and having these opportunities. It has really, um, I have really learned a lot on how to shift gears. Like right. I think of it like me, I don't drive stick, um, <laughs> but I can think of, I literally think about me shifting gears because if I was at a place like Refinery in one meeting, I could be talking about doing our new front, which is all about like what's coming up, what's next. Switch gears. Okay, now we're going into a brand meeting to find a specific thing for a proposal for a brand. Switch gears. Okay, now we're going into the 29 rooms, 2020 planning meeting on how we're going to go into which eight markets. I mean, and back to back to back. When I was at DKC and I started the event department there, you know, I started that department with like me and my laptop and then grew um, pretty fast, actually. But I had already been growing as a business. I did have to go through this period of time. And I actually say it like this. I had to mourn a little bit of the time where I had to say, I'm no longer being the hands-on producer. I love actually producing. I love it. Um, But I had to let go. I had to let other producers be the leads on the project so that I could then focus on the department and how I was going to grow the department and the diversification of it and dealing with new inquiries for business that were coming in. And that is something I think because I had all that and that practice in doing that, it allows me to do the kind of things that I am today of like, okay, here's a new RFP. Okay, now I'm going to a new client meeting. Now I'm gonna go do a podcast. Now I'm gonna go, you know, actually let's work on the creative mission for that new project that's come in. And like, this is the next stage of the, the design deliverables that we're going to create. And literally having to shift those kind of gears sure. from that. But I also think it comes down to there's going to be, and there is this already the couple of people who I've assembled that are part of my team. Only one of them is new to my network this year. But she comes from someone who I have known since 2007. You know, I really do believe that, like, when you have really, really good people um, and you have that vibe with them, you you keep them close. You keep those relationships close.
1: I love that. Yeah. This is something I ask a lot of our guests. Is something, like, can you give us an example of something you maybe screwed up something failed and what that was and how you use that or you know overcame it maybe like hiring someone or going to the wrong venue or partnering with a, weird, a brand that has different you know sensibility or whatever that might be could you give us an example
2: sure um i mean gosh the, the fa- there's, there's probably Can hundreds I, there's there's no there's plenty of failures i mean one failure you could say is like When, you know, I I worked with this one environmental designer who's enormously talented, but I think he he was coming out of the architectural world and I think the pace of live events, he he was... Yeah. And this is really, um, this is a drink the Kool-Aid kind of an industry. Mm Yeah. You know, and you really have to be committed to it. If you need to leave the office every night at a certain time... It's probably going to be a problem, you know, um, and there's things like that. Oh. I, I think about for Crown Point Festival, um, you know, my first year, it was great. And, and that goes into also what you were saying of like, when do you do something just because it's cool? Yeah. Versus, oh, it has all these things. Well, we knew we had like a really, really cool idea. Um, and I'm the one who built the budget. But like we did not hit all of our financial goals. And I think that that's one of the biggest things when you're, not you, but like when one or a company is considering going into um, creating a new original property, you have to think about what you're ready and willing to get invested with. I think what was good for refinery, and again, this was before I got there, they were at a place where they could make the investment to try to create something. And luckily, they hit it, they they made that investment. Now they, they knew and I think it's been public like they made an investment in that. They didn't make money on that that first year. Yeah, was, but they was... knew that this had that potential for that. But it can be a real it's a real sticker shock when you are in the red on something and yeah. especially it's your own money. I have done it. Yeah, you and I were talking about. And it like you know, you can go out there and read the lineage story of the folks who founded Coachella. Yep. But now look at Coachella.
0: We were and just, it, talking, about we were that just yeah. talking about Coachella. And
1: I've been to Coachella about eight times. It's, I mean, I, that's one of the greatest weekends of my life I've ever done. And yeah. that's fabulous. And every, every little detail, I mean, not as well as Disneyland or Disney World, but every detail is well thought out and yeah. well executed.
0: But just were you aware that <laughs> they
2: lost money I, yeah. for a couple yeah. of years? I mean, and not like, man, we broke even. No, yeah, like, like, like people money. were like, oh my god yeah and you my- know what i applaud them for that but yeah. if you are ready and willing to get into that space and you do, uh, what my recommendation on that is don't look at this like a one-year plan oh if this no go into it and make your plan for three to five years and that's that i would say is another good piece of the news it that's used to nice. be five years before you'd break even right. profit and make profit now, it's, you can yeah. do it in less than that. Sure. My first year at Refinery, we made profit, and our profit was the goal that we wanted. And it was, an, I'm very proud of that. Yeah. yeah. I'm very proud of that. But, you, you know, have a thick skin on that. Yeah. That's
0: good advice. So that kind of speaks to my next question because I want to be really mindful of your time. Can you yeah. leave us with one piece of advice?
2: Oh, God.
1: Um, <laughs> just just one.
0: <laughs> you've, got, you've
1: got a whole heap of knowledge, I'm sure.
0: Oh, you know what? This is.
2: This is the piece of advice that um, I think it goes for for everybody. I think, you know, a lot of people want to say that, oh, this is for the millennials coming up today. And I'm like, <laughs> no, you know what? Actually, I would actually say it to plenty of my counterparts and plenty of the people who I've had to report to in the past is there is no shortcut to the hard, detailed work. Do it. Commit to it. Like, People sometimes want the fast, easy, da-da-da, we don't have enough time for it. Do the hard work. It will not only may it help you in terms of that like money piece of it, but the pushing yourself into the areas of innovation. Look, it's no different than... You know, how people talk about whether it's music and they're like, well, this sampled this, and da-da-da, and actually we riffed off of this piece from Beethoven in order, da-da-da-da, and you make this music. Or how people t- say, like, nothing is really new again. It's borrowed and mishmashes of these other things. Well, that can happen in our world, too. But you do have an obligation, I think, to try and find a way to say, how is this truly doing something that no one has done? How am I really trying to, to move that needle? And in order to do that, you have to find a way to dedicate that time to it. So as hard as it is in this crazy, crazy world, and I I, I applaud all these people who are out here who are doing things like, you know, you've got to find a way to get sleep and sleep for eight hours. <laughs> and you have to, like, all, everybody's doing you don't these different see my things. my sleeping patterns. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, mine are, I metal. mean, if I have Same a load in that night. starts in three o'clock in the morning, and I'm not going to finish until seven the next day, yeah. but that's part of my that's part of my life. Like yep. I have to work almost like an athlete mm-hmm. to do this job that I do. Um, but if you commit to the parts where it's like, do the work, figure out like, don't just say, "I think we're going to need five thousand dollars for audio." It's like, no, think about it. How many people, how many texts do you need? Okay, I need two texts. Each of them is gonna work for 10 hours a day. The going rate for them is $45 an hour to, to this. Figure out, okay, and after eight hours, I need overtime rate for them. Do that, you will find the savings. You will find where you're over. You will get the work and you will be known for your accuracy.
0: Amazing, That's thank amazing you stuff. so much. Yeah, that was so great. What's the best way for people to connect with you?
2: Um I actually am a total nerd and I adore LinkedIn. No
1: nerd. No. Nothing wrong so with that. You, Link, you love LinkedIn. Really, I you love know, LinkedIn. I love it. LinkedIn's one of my favorite platforms. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Cool. So what how do just your full name?
2: Yeah, Kelly Marcus and it's Marcus with K.
1: M-A-R-K-U-S.
2: K-U-S. K-U-S. Yep. On Perfect. LinkedIn. Cool. On LinkedIn, yes. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank for you being guys. Here.